The Productive Woman, Episode 164. Hello and welcome to this episode of The Productive Woman. My name is Laura McClellan and this is a podcast dedicated to productivity for busy women. My goal is to help you find the tools and encouragement you need to manage your time, life, stress, and stuff so you can accomplish the things you care about most and make a life that matters. Thanks for joining me in this episode. I'll be sharing with you my conversation with graduate student and Productive Woman community member Maria Bankson. You'll find more information about Maria, along with links to resources she recommends, in the show notes for this episode at theproductivewoman.com slash 164. And now let's get right into the conversation with Maria. I am delighted today to welcome to the Productive Woman podcast, Maria Bankson. Maria is a graduate student finishing her PhD in biomedical engineering at Marquette University. And she says that in addition to being a card-carrying neuroscientist, which I'm going to be interested to talk about, uh, Maria has a not-so-secret love of English literature, yoga, and asking why more times than a three-year-old. And having raised five kids, and therefore five three-year-olds, I find that entertaining. Uh, Maria and I connected when she emailed me with some feedback about an episode of the podcast. And so I have ever since then been looking forward to talking with her about how she's managing her busy life. So welcome, Maria. Hi, Laura. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm just delighted that you could be here. Um, Way back when you sent me a really nice email about uh, your thoughts on some episodes of the podcast, and we've been kind of back and forth since then. Uh, You're a, a very busy person with a uh, a pretty demanding, I would think, uh, course of studies. I shared briefly kind of what your credentials are, but maybe you could start by telling us a little bit more about who you are, where you are, what you do, um, whatever you think would be good for us to know about you as we discuss how you stay productive. All right. Uh, so I figured out that I wanted to be a biomedical engineer when I was uh, going to those those college uh, meet and greet days. And I watched the biology, decided it was interesting, but not that great. And then I watched public health and decided I didn't want to do that. And then all of the, the interesting talks were done. So I watched this biomedical engineering thing when I was in, uh, I think, my senior year of high school and have been doing that ever since. Uh, my undergraduate I did in bioengineering at Arizona State University, and I started working in a lab because a couple of professors came and gave a talk in my freshman intro course, and they were describing this project that sounded really cool. So I talked to them after the class, and they invited me to come to uh, an experiment they were running, and I ended up... Uh, then participating in that experiment. Uh, then I ended up taking over that study and turning my, my volunteer time there into a job in the lab. And by the time I was looking for next steps at the end of my undergrad, there was nothing that looked as interesting as going to graduate school where you get to do uh, challenging, interesting work very, very quickly after you graduate. So that led me to doing a PhD at Marquette University, which uh, has had a bit of a winding course, as I think uh, PhDs often do. 
So uh, in my research there, I work uh, or worked with uh, survivors of stroke and neurologically intact control participants to try and understand uh, how stroke changes uh, coordination of muscles, which then affects coordination of movements and being able to hold still, and then how that affects function in the uh, in functional tasks like uh, oh, like reaching or grasping. Hmm. How long is a, a PhD? How do, how long does it take to get a PhD in biomedical engineering? I mean, that seems like a very complex thing to pursue. It is. Um, it depends on where you are. Anywhere uh, five to eight years is pretty standard for completing it. Uh, there were uh, something like 50 course, 50 credits of coursework in uh, concepts that were supposed to be relevant to your research. So you do a lot of classwork, but then once your classwork is done, you have to design experiments, uh, build any equipment or coding that you need to run those experiments, uh, recruit appropriate people to participate in your experiments, all of the analysis, uh, all of the writing, making figures and everything. So mine took a little bit longer because I had a few, uh, I had a few pivots, I think is the word uh, that uh, Silicon Valley uses, where as you're learning, part of, part of research is that you don't know what you're doing until you've done it. You have an idea and you use those ideas to inform what you're doing. But until you start to get some results in, you don't actually know if you're right or not. So we had a few changes in direction early on. So that took up some time. And I ended up working on a project vastly different from what I thought I was going to be in the, uh, the beginning. So, so at this stage of your studies, you are in that phase. You're, when, you, um, when you emailed me about all this, you said you were finishing your PhD. So you're in the stage yes. of completing the... the um, the experiments and writing it up or what, what, it, what, what exactly does your program entail right now? So right now I am in the, uh, so, so transient, but enjoyable. I am in the only one thing to do position and that <laughs> is finishing up my dissertation revisions. So I have done all of my research. I've done my I've written my dissertation, I've defended my dissertation, and now I am making sure that it's ready for publication. Hmm. Wow. So, you know, this is obviously a podcast about productivity, and we talk on the show about what that means, what it means to be productive, both getting the things done you need to do and making a life that matters as that you know, as you define that, because that's different for all of us. And we're going to talk about some of the things you do to be productive in those senses. But I think it's always helpful to have a, a little bit of context for those things, um, why, why you do them, how they are helpful to you. And that comes from kind of understanding what your days are like. And so mm -hmm. if there is such a thing as a typical day for you, what would that look like? So right now I'm lucky enough that I actually do have typical days. I don't, I, I enjoy this while it lasts because I know that it won't. Um, I start out with a morning routine that is a combination of 
self-care and clearing the decks so that I can focus and not have to check in with things throughout the day. Um, for self-care, I do a little bit of reading, a little bit of yoga, usually not a lot, like less than 20 minutes, and a short meditation. And I take a morning walk. Mm -hmm. And then to clear the decks after I'm like dressed and have breakfast, I uh, clean up my office a little bit. Uh, I share with the cats, so I want to sweep the floors every day. Um, deal with my inbox and then do uh, a little bit of a morning journal in Evernote that is, uh, it helps me think about what was the last thing that was kind of bothering me yesterday and then what do I know about today and what do I want to do to make the best use of the time I've got today. Mm. Um, then I work in 30 to 60 minute blocks with breaks in between and I try to keep those breaks offline. I read a chapter in a book, I go make some tea, I go outside, but I try not to do anything that is more interesting than working on my dissertation because that's entirely too enticing. What a great a great perspective to take on that, uh, to, to how to use your breaks, to not do something that's more interesting than the work you need to do. I love that. This is the what feels like millionth time I've been recovering the same uh, material and polishing it. So the new things are shiny. I don't need uh, shiny. I need completion. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And so then um, you do that throughout the course of the day, work for periods of time, take these sort of offline breaks. Uh-huh. Um, right now I am looking to get my, my dissertation out to my committee, I think two weeks from today. So, uh, I have been also working on uh, job skills for, uh, I'm, I'm looking to uh, try management consulting after this, and that's a whole different set of skills that I don't have yet. But since I'm approaching deadline right now, I'm putting that on hold for a couple more weeks, and then I'll go back to it once I have a little uh, a little less on my mind. And um, d how many hours a day would you say you spend in that process of working those periods of time with the breaks in between? Do you have a cutoff time for, for work for the day that you go into a different phase? I have a, a minimum number of hours that I have to be, that have to be spent advancing me towards the goal. Like showing up and sitting in the desk chair doesn't count towards those. But if I don't get a minimum of three hours in, then I will keep working until until midnight if I have to. Um, usually that's not a terrible problem, but the amount of time actually moving forward. So if I'm putting in uh, four and a half to six hours of work like that, like actual edits and making figures or remaking figures or like restating an argument more clearly, like that, that can take all day yeah. uh, just to get in a, a smaller number of hours pushing towards the goal. So does that answer your question? Yeah. And so then what, once you've achieved that, whatever that time goal is for the day, do you have routines in the, in the evening or how do you, how do you wrap up your day? Yeah. So in the evening, I clear my desk completely. I hate sitting down to everything already in chaos. It makes me feel like I'm, behind before I even start. I plan out tomorrow in my bullet journal, like what are my priorities? What do I need to get done? Eat dinner, lay out clothes, tidy up the house. Like I 
I don't know, I get overwhelmed when there are a lot of just objects around. So I try to keep things pretty clear, not always successful at it, but I'm, I I feel like I'm able to think more clearly when I don't have a lot of distractions around me. Um, I also try to fit in actual leisure. Uh, I sneak in reading whenever I can. Uh, like I said, I try to do the, the yoga every morning, um, play around, uh, with my, my violin, which I've been playing since I was nine, do some painting, uh, go out for a bike ride, try to have social time. Mm. That's, I feel like that one can be hard to remember in graduate school. And especially now that I moved about a year ago and spent that whole year basically writing my dissertation. So not quite locked in my office, but pretty <laughs> close to it. Yeah. So remembering to get out is important too. And I'm not always great at doing that on weekdays. I think I could be better at that. But on the weekends, I try to keep those free unless there's something like absolutely critical that has to be done by Monday. I try to keep my weekends free so I can actually do things that I just want to do. Yeah. I would think that would be really important for somebody, whether it's as a student or, you know, in a, in your, in a job that is very um, mentally demanding as I, I, I'm, you know, I'm a lawyer, I'm not a scientist, but when I hear neuroscientists, I think that's heavy duty thinking. That's um, that I would think it becomes very important that you do have some times where you're doing something other than that, where you're using a different part of your yeah. brain, you're relaxing, you're, you know, getting with other people or whatever to sort of balance out the amount of time you spend exerting your brain power. Am I off base on that or? Ab- no, that's, that's absolutely correct. I also, that's one of the reasons I use a, a time timer when I'm working, which is this little clock that turns red for anywhere between a minute and an hour. And then when that goes off, I take a break and I find even after just working for an hour, I'm, I'm pretty drained by that point and giving my brain some time to go just do something that isn't that, like isn't what I'm working on is and makes it so much easier to sit back down. Like my thinking is clearer. Whatever problem I sat down with is usually solved by the time I get back to my desk. Mm. And so, so this is the schedule or the routine that you're sort of following now at this stage in your studies. Is that very different from... Yeah earlier stages? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Um, depending on where I've been, it's the, I think the, the worst uh, time-wise was when I was finishing up my coursework, trying to get my first set of experiments off the ground and teaching a very intensive course all simultaneously. And when that was happening, it was, it was a mad scramble the entire time. It was, about eight to eight on campus morning to night, and then dealing with whatever I could do for the teaching and the research obligations and taking my courses themselves. And then I get home at 8 p.m. and start really working on my own homework in earnest. And that was uh, thankfully transient. <laughs> it was that that was the, the most intense I think it's been. Um, and there's a, it all comes in phases. So I had the classes and teaching and uh, trying to get things running. And I was finished with classes and that's amazing. 
you get so much time when you're not taking classes anymore. So that made it easier to get my experiments running. So that was a lot of time in the lab uh, working with uh, coding and hardware. So there would be some days I was in the machine shop trying to get uh, hardware built that we needed. There were times I was uh, in the electronics lab trying to build uh, physical electronic components for projects. There was a lot of time staring at computer screens trying to get all of the machines to do what we need them to do and to uh, make sure that they're safe to put people in front of, especially anything with a motor on it. Sure. Um, that's, that's utmost safety. Um, testing protocols, uh, bringing lab mates in to sit through. And I mean, you, you test every protocol that you run more than a dozen times yourself. So by the time you're actually doing it, like there, there are no surprises. <laughs> then there was a phase of recruitment, trying to track down anyone I could who met all of the criteria. And with patient research, every, every criterion you put on the, the group that you're looking for makes it harder and harder to recruit. So we were looking for people who had had a stroke and were showing motor impairments and were impaired enough that they, they were showing measurable impairment, but not so impaired that they couldn't do our tasks. And that's very hard to track down. And they also have to be able to like make it to campus and participate in long, exhausting experiments for them. Mm-hmm. And then also age match controls. And a lot of the people who came in from our stroke survivor group were in their uh, 40s, 50s, and early 60s. So when I'm trying to find age match for that, even though, I mean, there's a much larger population, that's also, most people are working yeah. <laughs> during those years. So... Wow. Tracking them down was also difficult. That stage, like when I was running experiments, was a very kind of reactive because it was trying to get, it was like constantly checking the phone, checking the email, trying to schedule people, trying to get them in, uh, scheduling lab space around anyone else who's using the equipment. But the stuff before that, the like building the experiments and then afterwards, like the analyzing and the writing is a lot more self-directed. Mm. So for all of that, it is, uh, like I, at this point I check my email usually once a day, a little bit more if there's something I'm expecting, like from my committee or my advisor, uh, or a a job recruiter, but it's, it's pretty non-reactive at this point because my main goal is to try and explain hard things in a coherent manner. (laughs) Which, which is a, as a lawyer, I can attest uh, it, that's a challenge. You know, I have a similar task yeah. very often to uh, explain complex legal concepts in language that a layperson can, uh, you know, an educated, intelligent layperson, but a layperson nonetheless can understand. So it sounds like, uh, you know, you've lived a lot of different phases uh, getting from uh, undergrad to this point. Um, and in trying to be productive and get the things done that matter most to you, I think all of us have uh, different challenges. Every li- every person's life's a little different. Uh, it presents different challenges for doing those things, for staying productive, for getting the things that matter to uh, to you. What would you say are your biggest challenges at this point when it comes to managing your life and being productive in the way that you want to be? I think right now the biggest challenge is that 
everything I do, I like if I'm not the one sitting in the chair and doing the work, it's not going to get done. And there's no one looking over my shoulder and there's no there's no uh, there's no immediate incentive to do hard work, which is it can make it hard to get started. So when that happens, I will set the timer for five minutes, just work on five minutes and then go do something else. And that you, you start to get into the work a little bit. Then you set it for 10 minutes and then you get a little bit deeper in and then you go do something else. And then you set it for 15 minutes and then you've got 30 minutes of work done. You're back into the project. You know what's going on and you, you, you're starting to build momentum, but you never felt like you had to commit to anything big. So I, I have to kind of trick myself sometimes. Mm. Um, barring that, it's, uh, it's also, I kind of joke that uh, ac- people in academia seem to have all of their structure, uh, imposed by external things. Like, uh, professors seem to go a little bit feral during break times and summer because they don't have the classes and the, as many like, uh, faculty meetings defining the points of their days and defining the shapes of their days. So it just becomes this, this kind of endless, uh, ocean of time to use as you wish. And, uh, making sure that you parse that into, both getting your work done and making sure you still have something to to give tomorrow can be difficult. Yeah, isn't it interesting that we, when we're um, busy dealing with a lot of external demands, we think, oh, if I just had some free time, you know, if I didn't have all these other external demands on my time, I could get so many things done. But when we don't have that those demands creating the structure, like you said, imposing a structure on us, it's often hard to get ourselves to do anything. (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's kind of funny, because it's, that's very, very true. It's like, oh, if I didn't have to spend three hours on this, like, yeah, but that meeting or whatever got you dressed and in the office and sitting there. So you might as well get started. Yeah. So interesting. Yeah, self direction is a not an easy game. And and for some of us, more so than others, I, I have always said that I'm a pretty externally motivated person. It's something, for me, one of my biggest struggles is that I will uh, wear myself out to meet somebody else's needs, to, to do, you know, to m- make a deadline that, that somebody else has created or uh, to take care of something that I'm doing for somebody else, but the things that I want to do for myself uh, are harder for me to, to, you know, stay on track with. It's easy to put those things aside and, and not get around to them. So uh, I guess it depends on the personality, but what are, um, you, you shared some things in, when we were trading emails about some of the particular, uh, tools that you like or resources that you recommend, things that you use to sort of manage the various, uh, commitments that you have, whether it's your schedule or your, your project list. Uh, could you share a couple of those? I'll put links. You, you sent some great links for some different tools, and I'll be sure and put those in the show notes for this episode. But what are some of your favorite things that are helping you get the things done and stay on top of, of things right now? Okay. So first off, I'm going to just plug my all-time favorite reference management because anybody who is either doing a lot of nonfiction writing or 
any kind of graduate school or even uh, writing papers for undergrad or high school classes, like managing your references can be a real pain. There's a free piece of software called Mendeley that is the best I've found. Mm. It also, you can put all of your articles in, you can mark it up, you can keep notes, and it backs up online. And it's, it's free software, so you never get held hostage if you change institutions and they pay for a different software or if there's an update to your operating system or whatever. So I love that for keeping track of all of the papers. And I've got like nearly 200 cited in my dissertation. So that's, wow. that's a lot. And that's of, a fraction of what I've got. Yeah, that's a lot of, <laughs> yeah. of papers to keep track of. Yeah, it's phenomenal. And it works well with Word. You can just like copy and paste formatted references. Like it's, it's phenomenal. Um, for personal organization and just keeping on top of things, I like to use OmniFocus for like organizing really large projects. Uh, so like when I was figuring out all the edits that had to be made in my dissertation, I created like a giant project and put in all of the, the details and little folders and things. But for day to day, that's just way more information that I need. So I use a bullet journal for day to day. So I just, I don't have an extra thing open on my computer. And I just have like a little piece of paper that's got like my next few steps in it. Hmm. Um, for anything that's time sensitive, I like to put it in my calendar. So that's, that's one of the few things that's allowed to just bother me incessantly on any device I'm using is my calendar. So you set alarms, um, uh, alerts for things? Oh, absolutely. Sometimes I'll set several alerts. <laughs> and sometimes, uh, like if there's any deadline for the graduate school or something, I'll set one like a month in advance and like a week in advance and make sure that that gets on the radar when it needs to. Yeah. Um, I also love Dropbox. Mm -hmm. I actually started paying for the service even as a grad student because I love to keep everything in there. I actually use that as my main uh my main directory on my computer and it saved me one time when I was at a computational neuroscience camp and my computer, which you might gather from computational neuroscience camp was pretty critical equipment, mm -hmm. uh, just completely died and reformatted itself uh, oh. at dinner on the first day oh and everything was gone. And as soon as I got an Ethernet cable, I plugged that thing in, I downloaded the software I need, I synced my Dropbox, and in like two hours, I was back in action. Mm. Uh, I was 100 miles from home with no car. Oh, my goodness. Uh, yeah, so. that, that would make, make a person's heart palpitate a little bit. Yeah, and it's it's also good. I keep all of my my data like de-identified, of course, uh, are stored in the Dropbox. So even if a meteor takes out my university, my data will still exist. All my <laughs> writing will still exist. Uh, <laughs> the other thing, I've been doing this a little bit over the years, and I've been getting more and more consistent with it. I've just got a, a name for for it from uh, Gretchen Rubin's podcast, like a week or two ago, a Tada list. Mm -hmm. So this is just keeping track of what did I actually do this week? Because when you're doing, especially graduate work and research, the, the whole reason you're doing research is because you don't know what the right path is yet. So you can spend a lot of time working on things and making progress without ever having a tangible outcome. Mm. So if at the end of every week or every month you sit down 
and write down, even if it was a dead end, you know, I read three articles on this and realized that it was not a direction that we want to go. Well, that's, that's time that you spent. And if you keep track of that and realize that you are actually making progress, I think that makes it less demoralizing than when you start to feel like, why am I working all of these hours with nothing to show for it? Because it's, the, the amount of time you're putting in and the amount of tangibles you're getting out are usually not well correlated in research. You know, and I think that's such a, I can see how that would be true in what you're doing because of just what you've described. You're spending a lot of time kind of exploring and trying to find the direction you need to be going. And, and so you don't ever get to, you know, check off, the the list that I've accomplished X uh, result, but for all of us, I think, and uh, well, a, a lot of people are this way, but certainly a lot of women that we don't give ourselves credit for what we've actually done. We know we, we are very, very aware of what we haven't yet done and not so quick to give ourselves credit for what we've accomplished. And so I love this. And she calls it the ta-da list instead of the to-do list. I like it. Like, ta-da. Yeah. I, I stole that from Gretchen Rubin, and I love it. Uh, I've been doing that less frequently because it would be, like, occasionally you need, like, to update the CV for an application or something. And it was always this just kind of stunning moment when I would – go through several months of work and like, well, what have I done mm-hmm. over the last, you know, however many months or a couple of years or whatever. And by the time you write all of that out, it's, it's a little bit staggering, but you never think about that day to day. Cause you're always looking forward to the next thing. Mm-hmm. And it's, I don't even know if it's as dismissive of the work I've done as just completely focused on the next thing that needs to be done. Cause you want yeah. that forward momentum, but you don't realize how much of the mountain you've already climbed. Yeah. Absolutely. I love that. That's, that's a, a great idea. Uh, and thanks to Gretchen Rubin for suggesting it. Um, so let's, you know, as I, I want to be respectful of your time. And, and this has been so interesting. I, it, it's just as a, a lawyer whose life is about words and ideas of, of that nature, um, I'm just fascinated by you know, the kind of work that you're doing and the very real and and important impact it can have on all of us, uh, uh, the kinds of things that you're researching, I think is so interesting. But, you know, it's, I've listened to you talk about the the way you organize your day, the things you've accomplished. You, You obviously have become very intentional about Um, how you're doing those things and you have systems in place and tools that you use to be productive and to kind of manage it all. But, you know, as I ask everybody, I I have to ask you, even with all of that in place uh, and at this stage in your life and your career, do you ever have a day when it all just gets away from you or you get completely stressed out and overwhelmed? And if so, what do you do to get back on track? Oh, yes. <laughs> I don't know if anybody doesn't have those days. Um, so the first thing I do when everything is just going to ruin is I, I disengage. Get up, get away, get some distance, get some perspective. It can be go downstairs and make some tea. It can be go take a walk. It just get away from whatever 
I'm doing right now. It doesn't mean go like numb myself with uh, phone games or, you know, starting to read the, the infinite news streams or anything, but just getting away, call a friend, stop by someone's office, just get your head out of that chaotic space. Mm-hmm. And once I've had a little bit of like time and space to, to kind of calm myself down a little bit, I'll tidy up if things are messy. Uh, my, my literal desktop, my figurative desktop, uh, do I have a million apps open? Is my phone sitting on my desk? Uh, are there 16,000 folders piled up on my computer desktop? Just clear it off. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if there's time to organize, organize. If there's not, just put it in a box to deal with whenever I have time and actually make some time to deal with that. Um, if the day just needs to be done, then the day needs to be done. But if there's work that needs to be done because you have deadline or there's some like real reason that the work has to be done, even when I'm pretty fried and don't want to move, I'll, I'll set the timer. I'll do that five minute, 10 minute, Mm -hmm. 15 minute thing. And it's, it's really good for easing into, uh, the morning, if I am kind of having some resistance to getting started, and it's really good when I'm just very frustrated with yeah. whatever's working um, or not working. So it's shocking how much momentum you can build up with that. And at the end of five minutes, I'm a little frustrated that I'm stopping. And then at the end of 10 minutes, I'm frustrated that I'm stopping. Mm. And then again, like at 15, like you, instead of being frustrated with the work, I keep getting frustrated with the fact that I'm stopping. So then you start to crave just digging in a little bit more. Yeah. I love it. That's a great approach. You know, find, find the, e- the easiest possible way in and give yourself permission to, I'm, j- I'm not going to do, I'm not going to write this paper. I'm not going to do this big thing. I'm just going to spend five minutes. That's all. And, and I, I, yeah. I was kind of said, I can do anything for five minutes and, uh, take, taking it a small bite at a time. It, it, I can see how that is a very, um, uh, a good way to ease yourself back into something that's kind of thrown you for a loop. So that's great. So Maria, what is on the horizon for you? You mentioned that as we're having this conversation, your your edits on your dissertation are due in a couple weeks. What's coming up after that? So after that, I am looking for my next new adventure. And I think that is going to be an industry. I'm thinking uh, management consulting or strategy consulting looks really interesting. It looks like a really good way to get a pretty broad view of how business works and to stay on that really steep part of the learning curve that I apparently love being on so much. (laughs) I seem to get kind of bored when that flattens out. So that's a preparing for that, learning how case interviews work, learning a little bit about business. Uh, And I figure if that doesn't work out, I live right by at least half a dozen biomedical companies, so I can probably do research there. So yeah, so plan A, plan B. So once you've turned in these edits on your dissertation, um, what's the next step before you are officially, you know, Dr. Benson? Well, one next step is uh, getting my poster revisions together for the Society for Neuroscience conference that happens next month. Mm. Um, Thankfully, I've got uh, some collaborators doing a lot of help with that. So that is, I mean, science is collaborative and 
I don't think you could do it any other way. Yeah. Um, once my dissertation goes out to my committee, then they can look over whatever parts that they choose to. Uh, everyone made their specific requests, and those are in the document. And then I just wait for them to say yes. If there's anything further they want, then do that. Uh, get signatures, and then, based on what everyone has told me before, spend entirely more time than seems reasonable fighting with uh, the submission software <laughs> for uh, the graduate school. Oh, that's always fun. Something to look forward to, huh? Um, yeah. Maria, if uh, th- this has been so interesting, and I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with uh, me for the benefit of the whole Productive Woman community. If somebody has questions for you or wants to learn more about what you're doing, um, are you... Are you on social media? Is there a way that they can get in touch with you? Should they just send me an email that I can forward to you? Um, uh, you can, they can email me at my personal email, which is maria.bankson at gmail.com. Okay. And it's B-E-N-G-T-S-O-N. Okay. It's strange and non-English. Uh, if you misspell it in the most common way, that will also come to me. <laughs> um, I don't really do social media. I think I've got a LinkedIn account, but I don't have other social media. Yeah. And I've actually found that that works pretty well. <laughs> there are some good reasons why it would. That's for sure. Um, and I'll make sure I'll put your, uh, if it's all right with you, I'll put your email in the show notes. So if folks want to reach out to you, they can do it that way. Um, before we wrap up, I guess I would just ask, do you have any last words for the listener who, who's been, you know, listening to this conversation and maybe is looking for just a little bit of help or encouragement in getting the things done uh, that, that she cares about or he uh, and making a life that matters? Any, any thoughts for that listener? I'm actually going to crib from Elizabeth Strout. I just read her, uh, her book. Uh, My name is Lucy Barton, I think. And there's a line in there where the main character is talking about her childhood and at a point where she realized work gets done if you simply do it. Hmm. And you can have a lot of Sturm and Drang, but when you sit down and you start working on it, it will get done. Yeah. Cool. Uh, there's also, if I can quote back to uh, Gretchen Rubin again, there is, she has, I think it's a, a rule of adulthood or something called it's easier to demand a lot from yourself when you're giving a lot to yourself. Mm. So figure out what boundaries you need, figure out what leisure you need and what counts as actual leisure for you and make sure that you're fitting that in. If you need to have someone else hold you accountable for having leisure time, then do it. My mama actually uh, uses me for her accountability buddy for making sure she meditates regularly. Um, Mm. It's, it is easier to demand a lot from yourself when you're giving back a lot to yourself. Yeah, that's uh, wise words, a good thing to remember. And I don't think I could, uh, it's a great place to end it. Thank you so much, Maria, for taking the time to talk with us. Thank you so much for having me. 
I really do appreciate Maria for taking time out of her busy schedule to share with us her thoughts on how she manages her busy life as a student and as a woman, and for her suggestions and encouraging words for the rest of us. But what do you think? Do you have any questions for Maria or any suggestions or ideas to kind of riff off of the things that she and I talked about? I'd love to hear from you. Uh, You can share your questions, your thoughts, your suggestions in the comments section of the show notes for this episode, which again, you'll find at theproductivewoman.com slash 164. Or you can post a comment or question in uh, on the Facebook page or the Productive Woman Community Facebook group, which I hope you're a part of. If you're a woman who listens to this show, we'd love to have you there and be part of that conversation. If you would like to share your thoughts with me privately, you can email your questions, comments, or suggestions to me at feedback at theproductivewoman.com, and I'll look forward to hearing from you. Uh, As I said, if you haven't already done so, do please join us in the Productive Woman Community Facebook group. This is a private group where we can meet up, interact more. Instead of just me talking to you, we can actually have a dialogue. You can ask questions, share information, insights, and encouragement. Basically, just a conversation about productivity among women who are interested in making lives that matter. We have some great conversations that go on there. I get some of my best insights for the show from that group, frankly. You can find the group on Facebook and click the join button or just go to theproductivewoman.com slash group and that'll take you right there. Uh, I, I have to approve you to join the group and I'd be happy to do that. Be sure it'll ask you a couple of questions. Do be sure and answer those. That's how I know you're a real person, a real woman who's trying to join the group to be a part of that community rather than then I sadly there are Facebook trolls out there who stir up trouble um, and I know you're not one of those but do answer the questions that helps me know that I would love to see you there um, thank you so much for being part of this uh, one other thing I, I want to say if you're looking for support ideas and accountability and identifying and pursuing your goals uh, if you'd like to kick off 2018 strong to uh, in terms of, of naming your goals and getting making progress on them, I'd love to work with you on that. So visit the work with me page on the website to learn more about ways that we can work together. We have mastermind groups that will be starting right after the first of the year in January. Um, group, small groups of women who will support and encourage each other and hold each other accountable in setting and, and achieving those goals. Um, uh, so the groups will start in January. I'm taking applications now. And so you can visit the page and, and see more about it and fill out the short online application. There's also some information there about the personalized one-on-one productivity coaching that I offer. So you can check that out as well. If it's on the website, visit theproductivewoman.com slash services to learn more about both of those. And that is it for this episode of The Productive Woman. Thank you so much for spending this time with me and with Maria. I hope you found it as interesting as I did. I hope you found something in this episode uh, that was helpful to you. And I look forward to talking with you again next time. So until that time, remember, extend grace to each other and to yourself and go make your life matter. The Productive Woman is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to help you think, 
laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx.